Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Pentecost. And I think we, we know the story, but you got to know me. I mean, I'm not real good at just talking about exactly what everybody already knows. So with that, I have to kind of delve into the word a little bit to find out what am I missing. And, uh, you know, first let's find out what does the word Pentecost even mean, right? I mean, it's weird, Pentecost. Well, Pente is 50. So it's 50 days is the whole idea of Pentecost. It was 50 days from the time of the Passover to the Feast of the Pentecost. So we know that Jesus hung out with the, uh, the disciples for about 40 days, in and out. He was there, he was gone. He was there, he was gone. So we know that was about 40 days. And then he told him them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. So everybody will say, well, he waited there 10 days, right? But me, being a nerd, I looked it up. And it would be actually nine days. Why? Because in Acts 1.12 it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. So they had one day of travel, nine days back in Jerusalem. And does that mean anything? Absolutely nothing. I just thought I'd just tell you that because it was in there. So, you know, in John 14, 26, it says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and the word Holy Ghost, just so you know, I look up every word to find out what does it really mean. The word is pneuma, which means current of air, blast, or breath, whom the Father will send in my name. Name means character and authority. So, and the word is onoma. So, he's going to send it in the character and authority of Jesus, and the word is Onoma. So that's what he's saying when he says, in my name. And then it says, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So with the Holy Spirit, they're going to remember everything that, that Jesus ever taught them. All the empowerment that he's ever given them will be available to them through the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 1.15, it says, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number is 120. So the whole point is there was 120 dudes. They were all hanging around, nine not, well, men and women, not just dudes, dudes and dudettes. It was 120 of them there, and they were all waiting for this Holy Spirit to show up. Okay? We okay, Dan? As long as you say, yep, I'm good. So the, uh, now the, the story of Acts, real quick. They're all in the upper room. They're praying. Some say maybe they weren't in the upper room. Maybe we were in the, in the, uh, in, in the, in the um, temple praying because Peter still had to do his duties in the temple. Wherever they were at, the, the point was they were all praying. And it says here in the Word, and I didn't put all these scriptures up there because it would be too many. He says, and on the day of Pentecost was full come. They were all in one accord in one place. So they were all of one accord. That means of one mind. They were all of one mind. The power of being at one mind. You know, Maria talked about it when she was so overwhelmed that we were all singing as one that it evoked emotion. And see, that's the thing that's so amazing. When we come together as one, there is so much power in that. And the problem we have is that we can't come together as one very often because we're so busy looking at our differences and not our similarities. So we've got to put that stuff aside so that we can actually stand as one because we've got 
enemies that we have to take care of here. And they're not of this world. They're principalities and powers of darkness that we don't even see. But the only way to do that is as one. So they stood as one in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came. And it says, and then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Makes sense. Numa means a breath or a wind, right? And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon them cloven tongues like a fire. And it sat upon the... Uh, upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak utterances of tongues as, oh, they began to speak other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But Peter's, okay, now, so they're all sitting around speaking and some people start thinking, hey, they're drunk. They've been drinking too much wine. They're messed up, right? And then Peter says, no, 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 wait a minute, guys. He says in, in Acts 2.14, but Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Then, and so he was telling them, no, they're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. So that was a heck of a first day, huh? 3,000 guys all of a sudden are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in one shot. So, in, so me being a, a little bit of a nerd, I mean, I'm a nuclear chemist. I'm a lot of a nerd. Okay, I'm sorry. It says in, in John 20, 21, because this messed me up. Well, what about what happened in John? And John says, then said Jesus to them, peace be unto you and to my father has sent me. Even so I send you. So he's telling them he's sending them out. And this is when he was in the, the up, they were in the upper room and Thomas was doubting him in that one. And he walked in and he said that, uh, you know, he, he said, Jesus said to them, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive or take hold of ye the Holy Ghost. Well, wait a minute, I thought they got the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. It sounds like to me, they got the Holy Ghost, but it wasn't activated. How many times, you know, I think we, we, get, we, we get saved and the seal is the Holy Spirit, but we don't activate the Holy Spirit until we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we've got the seal, we're saved, we're good, but we don't have the power. We're not, we're not, we're not uh, releasing the power until we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So just cause you're, now some people, when they get saved, they actually receive the Holy Spirit and it's activated, I've seen that. So this is what uh, kind of messed me up because I wanted to say, why did they, he give them the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, he was activating it. And how did they know they were activating it? They were speaking in tongues right? And so many people deny tongues, but we'll talk about that. And God said, and this is important because what God says is kind of important, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So we got to, you know, here's the problem. The Holy Spirit is like this wisp of air, this very scary, ethereal, steamy thing. And we got to get to know the Holy Spirit. Because when we don't know the Holy Spirit, we don't utilize the power available to us. Right? And so we start to do stuff all by ourselves. Because we got this. We're good here. 
How am I going to utilize this thing that's just kind of this woo thing, right? It's hard to contain the Holy Spirit. So our problem is, I think, one of my problems was, and I'm just speaking for me now, it didn't have a name. I like a name. I like to put a name on something, you know? I call God Papa, you know? So that's my Papa. I got that. I like that name Papa because it's very loving. It's not like my dad. It's not my father. It's not some English peta. <laughs> you know, it's Papa. He's somebody you can count on. You can count on Papa, right? So when, when, I, when I started to do this, I go, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, Ben does a good teaching on it's, it's the comforter. It's the one that's counseling you. It's like the, the lady side, you know, for me. And, and so I, I call the Holy Spirit now Mama. I know in the shack the guy calls it Sarah you. But uh, the point, and that, and that means that unexpected br uh, breath of, of air from the east. It's that life-giving air. But the point is, put a name to the Holy Spirit that makes it more solid and brings it from the unseen to the seen so that you actually utilize it. The Holy Spirit's names are so many. Breath of the Almighty, in Job 33, 4, it says, meaning the Holy Spirit is life-giving breath. He's the counselor and the comforter. That's, uh, that's the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our counselor. He gives us strength. He's the eternal spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit is eternal God. He is power of the highest, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and spirit of truth. Why wouldn't we use this? You know, I mean, how many times, and, and maybe it's just me, do we, are we going through a thing and yet we don't involve the Holy Spirit? Is, is that true? But yet, that's what separates us from everybody else. Because man has some power. I mean, but we, we through Christ Jesus and with the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, have all power. But we haven't stepped into that yet. And, you know, my big thing is empowering people. And when we don't use the Holy Spirit, we're not really empowering ourselves. And we're not empowering each other. So it's got some gifts, and I'll just go through those quickly because i got a point that I want to get to. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Fruits are charity, which is agape, which is love. Peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So those are the fruits and the... Uh, and the gifts. But this Holy Spirit's been around since forever, right? In Genesis 1-2, uh, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. That word move is rachaf, which means to brood like a hen over it. It's getting ready to give birth to something. And so... How does that work? Well, let's, let's look at this. I, I just want to say this is how it works real quick. God's the Father, right? And he conceives it. He conceives it. Then he speaks the Word, the Son. And then the Holy Spirit puts it to action. He's got the power and authority. So we got the thought, the Word, the action. They work together as one to achieve the things that God has thought, the word has spoken, and the Holy Spirit makes 
come, come forth. Does that kind of make, make sense? So they're all working together as one. And when we don't utilize that, we don't see that in our lives. So here's the thing. In the beginning, God created all the elements needed for his creation. Then everything else was formed from what had already been created. All essential ingredients were in place, but nothing happened without the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was brooding over the creation of God, just waiting to bring forth whatever God said. And then he said, let there be light. Then the power of the Holy Spirit brought the light into being, likewise with everything the Lord created and made. It was power of the Holy Spirit that brought it into existence. So God uses the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses the power of the Holy Spirit. What are we doing? Why are we using the power of the Holy Spirit? Like we should be. I mean, if we want to see change in our life, let's use the power. Let's stop, you know, whining about it, crying about it. Let's, let's actually use it. Well, for me, I need a name for it so I can call on them. And for me, it's mama. I got papa, I got mama. It's a family. I got papa, I got mama, I got my brother. Jesus. If you look at it like when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you become part of a family. As soon as you have that seal, that Holy Spirit indwelling in you, you're part of a big family. And now you're not alone anymore. And it's so exciting when you have the Holy Spirit because now you know the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, it's dwelling in me, and we all have the power. And when we come together as one, that power is amplified. All we have to have is a common, like Maria was saying, we have a common vision. Everybody was, when we were singing, we were all together as one, and this amazing feeling came out, this amazing power that evoked emotion in her, and many of us, I'm sure. Okay. Usually I'm asking questions by now, but I'm not supposed to do that as a, as a preacher here. So, you know, my big question is why do we not use the Holy Spirit? Why do we act independently of the Spirit? If Jesus couldn't or wouldn't operate independently of the Holy Spirit, uh, neither should we. I mean, we want to be more like Jesus, and he did, never did anything until he received the Holy Spirit, and then, oh my gosh, what happened, right? So that's, that's what I'm saying is that we, we have to understand how important the Holy Spirit is. Matthew says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, to the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased. Right after that, he's tempted by Satan. Look, as soon as you step into this, you're probably going to get tested. All of a sudden, boom, he's using the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, you're on the radar screen. Satan goes up. We got to get that one. And so then he'll, you'll start to step into the thing you were called to do. He'll use the Holy Spirit. He shows you the vision. You go, I'm so excited. I get to do this amazing thing, right? And all of a sudden, all the helpers come around you. Well, I knew somebody tried that. And, oh, they failed miserably. No, 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 honey. Just, just get a job. Just over broke. J-O-B, right? And so we start to get all these helpers. Or we get this thing called the bribe before the breakthrough. We get this thing where someone offers us something that almost looks like our vision, right? Jesus is up there, and he's saying, hey, I'll give you all this stuff, Satan says, if you just bow down to me. 
So it looked good. And we as Christians sometimes will take that and go, oh, yeah, that kind of looks real. Maybe I'll make that into exactly what Jesus did, even though it wasn't. And so that's where we have the opportunity to say, no, that's the bribe. You know why? Because the breakthrough is coming. The thing that you're actually supposed to see is coming, that bribe before the breakthrough. You're going to get the breakthrough if you stay the course. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody, but it's happened to me. I was in China. And uh, I was sitting there, and they were uh, came. In, I was staying in a, a military complex, which is so beautiful. And uh, I was in this room, and this uh, old man comes in with this translator. And I had created some products that uh, help enhance oil wells to produce more oil. And so I'm sitting there, and they come into my room, uh, kind of scary, you know. I'm in a military complex, and. Uh, they start to ask me if they can blend the product in China. And I said, well, no, I can't do that. And they said, no, we want to blend. I said, no, I can't do that. And they, I go, if I do that, you'll know the formula. And I have board members, and I can't do that. And they go, well, here, here's the offer. We'll send you $2 million if you let us blend it in China. And I go, so I said, I, I said no, I still can't do that. You don't understand. I'll send you $2 million to your personal account. No one will know if you will let us blend the product. And I said, no, I, I, can't, I can't do that. And the old man talks to the guy, the translator, and says, ask him if he's a Christian. I said, yes, I'm a Christian. He goes, okay, we're done. We're out of here. The point was, right after that, we had a breakthrough, and somebody merged with us, and we got all kinds of money. And it was done the right way, but there's always that bribe. So when you're getting the bribe, don't knuckle under don't try to skew it or turn it into what it, how it looks good. Or you, you can look at it from this angle and it looks pretty good. Make sure you know in your heart of hearts that it's right. And the only way you know that is through the Holy Spirit. There's a peace about when you're making the right move. There's a peace that goes beyond understanding, right? So make sure you're using the Holy Spirit for what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be used for. So then why is there so much debate over the issue of the Holy Spirit? The sad truth is denial of the ministry of power of the Holy Spirit is convenient. Believing that miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit don't operate today, and that's just an excuse to be powerless. Mm. I love you. But there's no responsibility in powerlessness. Nobody wants responsibility. Right? I don't want to, I don't, you know, well, I'll... God, please do that thing. He's like, um, <clears throat> I gave you all power, dominion, and authority. Why don't you go ahead and handle it? Right? How many times do we pray for God to do a thing that we're supposed to do? He's saying, I already did it. I already did it. It's done. All you have to do is step into it. Release the power that you have, and it will be done. But the problem is, a lot of times we're double-minded about these, these things. Well, who am I to? We get that attack of our identity. Who am I? Who am I? So if it's true that the Holy Spirit's still willing to move in biblical times, like, like today, like he did then, then there's no excuse for living lives so far removed from the victory portrayed in God's word. The number one reason people resist the ministry of the Holy Spirit is because it exposes a lack of power in their lives, and once exposed, it demands a change, and no one wants to change. 
I love the hell I'm living in because at least I know it. But if I change, there'll be some unknown thing, and I'm afraid of unknown, so let's just stay in hell. Is that kind of truth? Sorry about that. But I, I have to go through this stuff first, and then I get to tell you about it. You know, what we try to do so many times is change God to fit our needs instead of God changing us to fit his. You know, and it's, it's not a new thing. I mean, you know, Moses and Aaron both invited to the top of the mountain. God wants to talk to them. Aaron says, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay down here at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and he starts to glow. His face is white. God has changed him. He had to put a veil over. He was so, so, so much light coming out of him, right? But what did, what did Aaron do? He created a calf that he could physically stuff God into, and now he had changed God to fit his needs instead of God changing him to use him as the tool he needed him. Does that make sense? We do that a lot of times. Well, God, well, God, and we start to form him into our likeness and image instead of letting him form us into his likeness and image. You know, the verse says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And, and delight means to make yourself moldable and pliable. Oh, I thought he just meant be happy. No, if you don't look at the Greek, you ain't going to know what it means. Make yourself moldable and pliable, and he'll ascribe on your heart your desires. He'll put them there. So you don't have to be double-minded about it. Was that God? Was that me? I don't know. I don't know. But, and by the time you get it done, somebody else already invented the thing. You missed, you missed it because we were so double-minded about it. So allow yourself to be changed. And the only way you can do that is through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the number one reason people resist ministry of the Holy Spirit is because it exposes our lack of power. i say it again. It's now politically correct to say that alcoholics are not responsible. I'm an alcoholic. When I say that, I mean this. I'm a recovering, recovering alcoholic. Matter of fact, I recovered. But, and that's why I had to stop going to meetings. You know, I love the meetings, and it got me to where I had to go. But every time, I'm Nick, I'm an alcoholic. You know, and, and what you say you are after I am is very powerful. And if you're trying to resist the drink, guess what? You're going to drink. The idea is not to resist the drink, to say what you want, not what you don't want to do. I'm creating a healthy body. I'm creating healthy relationships in my life. That's what I'm doing. I'm not resisting a drink because then you pull out your old stuff like a badge of honor and you'll say, and you don't know how bad I was. And you start telling this story and you use it as, aren't I? I'm the worst. I was the ter most terrible. And it's like, uh, dude. I don't, I don't want to hear that mess. So I got to where I had to get, and then I got plugged into the church, and this has helped me so much more becoming who I want to be, not who I was, right? But there's no responsibility in that. You know, it's not his fault. Yes, it is. Let me tell you what's the fault. The first drink. You had a choice. Every choice is a seed. Every seed bears a fruit. That's right. So if you're an alcoholic and you know you have that propensity in your body that alcohol makes you a nut, you know, if you keep ending up in prison and you're a nuclear chemist, maybe you don't want to drink. 
possibly. Okay? So once you see that, it's the first drink. But society is, oh, they're not responsible, those poor people. You know, homosexuality is just a genetic matter. Maybe it's just, and I'm not saying, I love all people. All people. And I pray for all people. And I don't judge any people. But we can't let the truth of the word be denied. Right? Because then we're just complying with the world. So, it says, let's see. We've even, <laughs> this is so true, we've had lawsuits to overweight people uh, in fast food chains suing them because they became so heavy. Each choice is a seed, each seed bears a fruit. You became heavy because you chose to eat at McDonald's 58 times this week. But it was easy. Yeah, but you, you did it. Well, they made me eat it because, you know, it's that big special, three for a dollar, and I had to eat it. I'm stewarding over God's wealth. Oh, there you go. Way to twist it. Good job. And sadly, the lack of personal responsibility, is, it's crept into the church as well. You know, as a side note, I like to say, you know, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. John had the Holy Spirit in him when he was born. Is that truth? He's the only dude who was ever born and he had the Holy Spirit in him, right? Said that. That's pretty amazing, I think. He, and I, I had to, of course, prove myself where it says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from the mother's womb. So that's how he knew Jesus. When Jesus walked in and Mary was pregnant, he jumped. He's like, because we're brothers, man. I can feel you. I got the spirit in me. I'm not going to start singing. but So let's uh, move on. Do we have power now is the question. Now, even if you want to believe in the Old Testament, we lost all power after the garden, even though I know that God had to use man every time he wanted to do something, he had to get agreement from man. But let's just say we didn't have any power. We'll just go with that, all right? So it says, do we have power now? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, it says, and the word is deutimus, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, Acts 10, 38. Then since Jesus had all power and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, okay? And then he gives the power to them, gives them the ability to... Uh, step on scorpions and snakes and all that. So here's the cool thing. The word power in this, uh, in, in this scripture is exosia. And why I say that is because it means authority. All authority is given to us. So we have, if you look at the word, all authority, exosia, and all miracle work and power, dunamis. So many people, yeah, I have miracle working power, but who am I to? You have all authority. You're not who you were. You're covered with the robe of righteousness so that you can wield things for my kingdom. You are my children. And we've got to understand that we have the authority, exosia, to wield the power, dunamis, that he's given us through Christ Jesus. And the one that wields that inside of us is the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So, and then it said, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. That's pretty good. 
Nothing. So why do we have power? Okay, why do I have the power? That's See, this is the way I think. I go, okay, who has power? Okay, Jesus got power. We got the power from Jesus. Now, why do I have the power? I want to know why I got it. Just so I can have that new Cadillac, that new Rankin Continental. What, you know, what, what, why do I have it? I have it because it says, he is righteous in 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We overcome sin and destroy the works of the devil with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we got it. Okay, so if you didn't know why you had it, now you know why you have it. Because if you see something out of order, it's your job. Man, someone should do something about that. And guess who that someone is? You. Me. When we see it, the only reason we see it is because we're supposed to do something about it. Not say someone should. It's you. You're that someone. It's pointing back at us. There's, there's no more Christian fans the world's going to be a tough place, and we can't just be rooting for others' ministries. We also have to have our own ministry. We also have to step into the thing that we're great at because we have the power. If we choose not to, then we have no response. But not my fault. I didn't do it. Boy, I'll pray for you. No, no, no. Let's speak to it. Let's make it right. Let's bring order to chaos. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? So everything that's not where it should be, He'll, she'll put it back to exactly where it's supposed to be if we have the guts to stand in the gap and wield the Holy Spirit for what's right in God's kingdom, right? Okay, we overcome sin and we destroy it. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say unto you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, greater works than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. Do you believe that? Okay, one. Good job, Peter. Of course, Peter believes his name's Peter. <laughs> greater works will we do. And, and when you look up the word greater, it means in magnitude and number. It doesn't mean, you know, he did some cool stuff. And we're going to do better stuff when we step into who we are and when we step into responsibility that we are the only one that's going to bring order to this chaos going on right now. And how are we going to do it? As one. Because it ain't about us. God's got us. All we have to do is be bold enough to go and stand in the gap for someone else. That's our job. So, we absolutely still have power of the Holy Spirit. We just choose to wield it or not to wield it. It's our call. It's a choice. Another group of Christians willingly accept the limited ministry. Where they like the comforter and they like the counselor, but they don't like the miraculous power. That's convenient. And that benefits, again, with no responsibility. In John 20, 28, it says, Thomas confessed Jesus as his Lord that made him saved, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10. Yet the Lord told Thomas and all the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. See, so they all received salvation, but they didn't get the power until they received the Holy Spirit. So today, sometime, Ronnie, where are you going? Oh, man, I know you're going to help someone, right? Amen. Whoo, it was an unction. 
So, <laughs> so the Holy Spirit gave us power and authority. Here's something. I'm a nerd. I'll keep saying that, proclaiming that. Let's see here. All right. Potential energy. Mass times gravity times height. Without the Holy Spirit, we got a ton of potential energy, don't we? All kinds. How much? Well, we got enough to form a world, raising from the dead power. We got all kinds of power, potentially. Kinetic energy, one half mv squared. That's energy in motion. With the Holy Spirit, we've got some serious kinetic energy. But without the Holy Spirit, we just got potential energy. You know, we got no power without the Holy Spirit. None. The only way to achieve the release of the power of the Holy Spirit is to use it. Well, I don't want to show out God weak. Well, I'm afraid that if I do that and something didn't happen exactly the way it's supposed to happen, I'll make my God look like not, not the God that he is. These are the things that go on in your head, right? Am I being truthful about that? He'll tell you, go do this. And you'll go, oh, maybe somebody else will go. I, no. It doesn't matter the result. The point is that you honored the, the, the thing that God told you to do and you did it. The rest is up to him. It's not up to us. Our job is just to do what we're called to do. We've got to get more into that. Who cares if you're embarrassed? Who cares? You're dead. You're dead to self. How embarrassed can a dead guy be? Right? What are we so embarrassed about? And if you want to praise, come up front and raise your hands and dance around and praise. If that's what you want, do it. Right? All right. <laughs> what did he say? You got the Tigger anointing. I mean, we'll give you a T-shirt like... James has a T-shirt that says Tigger anointing on it, just in case you didn't know. And, and his wife's about tired of it. No. <laughs> you can only take so much Tigger in a day. Sometimes we got ER in us, you know. We'll never make it. So this is the part where it teaches us about uh, does, does accepting Christ mean you're filled with the Spirit? And I think we've talked about that. The point is, yeah, you're filled with the Spirit, but it's not activated. And there's a bazillion scriptures that I don't want to go through. Oh, where are they? There they are. Acts 19 talks all about it. it. Talks about John's baptism, and it talks about, but you see, here's the thing in 19.6. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. That's indication you got it. Well, I don't want to speak in tongues. That's weird. You know, I rose in a church where they thought that was demon, demon speaking. But it says in the word, this is what it is. Now, how did they get demon speaking out of what the word says it is? How, how did that twist around? And then, you know, the problem with us is that <clears throat> what we hear first, we believe. You form that axon dendrite. That's a little thought pattern. And then... It says, it says, it takes an ounce of information to form an opinion and a ton to change it. That's why we capture our thought and hold it up to the glory of God. Before we form an opinion about someone or something, we at first see what the word says. And then 
When it lines up with the word, that's our thought. That's our truth. But it's so hard when you've thought a certain way the whole time when you were young and you went to this church and it was a different church and things were, and this was the devil speaking. It's not the devil. Why do you even want to talk in tongues? You know, sometimes I don't know what to pray. I, I have no idea. You know, it's too much for me. But you know who does know what to say? The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. All I have to do is die to self. All I have to do is let the Holy Spirit speak through me. And then when the Holy Spirit speaks through me, things start to change. Because I'm saying the perfect prayer. And i got to be okay with that. You know, my experience with that, you know, <laughs> I'm a nuclear chemist. I don't just start speaking in weird tongues. So, you know, I'm just saying, I'm an intellect, and sometimes intellectuals are the stupidest people around. So I'm sitting there in this room, and I say, and somebody says something that's truth. They say, Nick, sometimes you just don't know what to pray, so the Holy Spirit does know. And, and I went, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So I lock myself in my office, and I start just trying to give utterance. And I start to finally, all of a sudden, I'm like, pow, and I'm walking, and I'm marching, and I'm crying, like now. And there's heat being developed in the room. And I'm like, this stuff is real. And I was there for an hour praying in the spirit, and my whole countenance was uplifted when I started praying in, the, praying in the Spirit, and so many times when I should be praying in the Spirit, I don't go back to that place because I'm too smart. I got this one. You know, I got this, God. I'm good. I don't need, nah, you, you go ahead. I don't want to march around and speak in the Holy Spirit. Why not? It's where the power lies. You're going to give me tissues, aren't you? All right, I have a pink shirt on. I don't know what that means, but I feel a little emotional right now. It is. It's mama. See? Told you. All right. Where are we at? I want to get to the good stuff. There's the last couple of slides. Here's something that's cool, and I want to get through it to it. It's a good gift is what the Bible says real quick. I want to show the word. It says, tongues is a gift from God, and it's a good gift. Luke says, if ye then, being evil, know how, gift, how to give good gifts unto the children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's a good gift. doesn't say it's a bad gift. It's a good gift. So the word says it, so it's got to be true. So here we go. Tongues. 2017 study by the New York Times reported on testing of, the, of this tongues thing. I like to bring in science. Times reported on testing the University of Pennsylvania for blood flow to the brain from singing or from speaking in tongues. 
Thermal scan of the brain in tongues and singing, speaking in tongues versus singing, speech centers were very quiet. Thermal scan shows low temperatures speaking in tongues. Conventional science says, how much of the universe is seen, visible matter? Anyone? Does it say it? Read it. 4%. You are amazing. Dan, and that's why Dan taught last week. Nose answer when told. Well done. So 4% of the visible universe is all we can see with all our senses. 96% is unseen energy and unseen matter. So when we're brilliant and we make our decisions based on what we see and know, we're using max 4% of the information. Wonder why things still go wrong. Didn't see that one coming, right? So, here's some pictures. On this one, the one with the little red stuff activated is the singing. The one on the right is speaking in tongues. The speech centers aren't activated. What? The speech centers aren't activated? Well, who's talking? Uh, connect the dots, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is speaking. That's what science is showing. Here's a better picture. On the right side's the heat when you're singing. On the left side's speaking in tongues. No heat. So if you need science, there's science saying that when you're speaking like this, the Holy Spirit is speaking, you're not speaking. And it's proven here. Now, if the word wasn't enough, because we've learned that we have to prove, and with science being what it is today, <laughs> They're creating science. They're creating new, new knowledge that really makes no sense. As a master's in biochemistry, I go, uh, no, that's not right. But we just have to press the I believe button because nobody wants to be called stupid. That just makes no common sense. Okay, uh, but, but they're all saying it. Oh, it must be true because faith comes by hearing. Is that right? So it's time for us to stand up for what's right. And the only way to know what's right is by utilizing the Holy Spirit. You know the Word, and you know the Holy Spirit. You know Mama, and you know Papa, and you know the Word, your brother. And all things can change. So what we're going to do today, and, and James is going to help us with this, and you can come on up, James, is that we're going to, when we have the prayer partners come up, we're going to ask anybody that doesn't know or not sure that they've been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit to come up, come up. Because we're, we're, we, it's time for us to empower the body of Christ. And who cares what anybody thinks? Who cares? It's time for you to get that power in your life, that power that discerns between right and wrong, that power that can change things just because you believe it can change things. And the time for being uh, victims is over. We're victors. If you have all power, dominion, and authority through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, all is a big number. I looked it up in the Greek and Hebrew. It means all. So if you're seeing anything less than all in your life, come up. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you're, you do have the Holy Spirit, start to use it in your life. Ask the questions in your life. Speak in tongues. Use the power you have, no matter how weird it seems to other people around you. Because that's what separates. We're a peculiar people. And we need to be peculiar right now because the world needs us. Make sense? All right. I love you guys.